All right, everybody, joining me this week on the Football Report is Trey Wallace, a college football and basketball reporter over to readoptional.com. You can hear him on the Ultimate SEC Show podcast as well. Trey's a good friend of mine, uh, was a frequent guest on the old show. But, uh, Trey, it's uh, good to connect with you and have you on the show this week. Man, it's, it's a blast. I'm excited to be back with you, excited for your new platform. I think it's going to be very big. And, uh, man, excited. look, man, we're sitting here. It's it's mid-June, and uh, we're getting closer to SEC media days, which means we're getting closer to the start of SEC football. So I will take it any day of the week. Yeah, it seems like when you get between, I don't know, SEC spring meetings or the end of the uh, SEC spring to the media days, that's kind of like the uh, the slow days. You're just, you're just itching for something to talk about and something related to college football. Yeah, it's just, it's just dead period when it comes to – you know, news that's going to come out. You know, you, you, this time of year, you're looking for stuff along the transfer lines. But really, if somebody was going to transfer, uh, it, you know, it'd have been after spring ball. It doesn't really use. It doesn't usually get into to midsummer. You know, when players decide to go somewhere else. But you know, when it comes to the SEC and, and college football, nothing really surprises me. So, it, it's good, man. We're we're getting close to the media days down in Atlanta and then uh man they, they fire up camp starting in August so uh we're getting there slowly but surely yeah you know when you look around the conference the quarterback position I feel like a two or three seasons ago it really looked down at, at the quarterback position I think the conference has really the teams have improved at that position now I guess to start off with it I'll get your thoughts just transfer quarterbacks and two of them that come to mind first lsu joe burrow uh, i know he'll have two years of eligibility coming in you know for, for a long time we've been hearing about miles brennan how good he can be and when i look at these transfer quarterbacks i always think you know they're going the coaches are going to say the right things there's going to be a competition you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but you got to think and with this quarterback's case he's got to be the quarterback coming in because they wouldn't go after and get him if they thought miles brennan was ready yeah, I, t- I tend to agree with LSU's situation. You know, we go back years and years looking at LSU football, and, and the one thing that really has not been consistent, uh, you know, and Mettenberger was a, was a good quarterback for LSU. I mean, you know, he, he got the job done, uh, did some things with the Titans and, Titans and has now moved on. Um, you know, Danny Etling, to me, was a quarterback that could hit the 15-yard out, hit your post, uh, be able to check down when it comes to defensive coverage, but was really not that, that star that star quarterback that, that LSU needs. I, I have no doubt in my mind if LSU had themselves, you know, a playmaking quarterback, somebody that they could rely on, uh, that LSU would have probably had a national championship, you know, uh, you know, within the last, you know, couple years, five years, you know, things kind of went south with, with less miles, but I think, you know, quarterback play kind of led to things when it comes to that offense, because there's only so many running backs LSU can bring in and rely on, uh, especially with that offensive line that's usually pretty stacked for the Tigers. And, you know, you take a look at it now with Joe Burrow coming in, somebody that we, we don't have a lot of game film on. And, and, you know, he comes from Ohio state. Um, it was down to Cincinnati and LSU. And look, LSU was in a situation where I did think Miles Brennan looked pretty good last year in certain situations. And, and I thought that he could make a run at it come, you know, after spring ball. But for them to go out 
and and put a full front, uh, you know, press on onto Joe Burrow that kind of shows you and tells you exactly what LSU thinks when it comes to their quarterback situation, and they're and they're going to put a lot of weight on on Joe Burrow to be able to lead them next year, and and, and things are going to get tricky. You know, if, if LSU comes out and wins seven games next year, people are going to have a real sour taste in their mouth when it comes to Coach Ed Orgeron, more so than they do now. So I, I just, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to me that LSU has again had to go out and get a transfer quarterback, the same thing they did with Danny Etling, now the same thing they've done with Joe Burrow. It, it, it just it, it never ceases to amaze me what LSU how they cannot get the quarterback situation down. Let's hope Joe Burrow can come in there and, and lead the Tigers, uh, you know, to to a winning season and, and be able to make a splash when it comes to the SEC West. But he's going to have to go out and prove himself because he really hasn't proved much uh, since he graduated high school. Yeah, and you talk about LSU not being found a quarterback. One of the biggest head scratchers for me is there was a time with this, you know, LSU had – Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry at wide receiver. I mean, just throw it yeah, at them guys. Crazy, I mean, they've, right? They've had talent at receiver. It seems like every year they're having these guys that are, are going to be top picks in the NFL. You're right. The quarterback position is just a head scratcher. How? And it's not like they don't ha- have any competition within the state. You would think even within the state there would have been a quarterback that could have came in, could have played well, and led them to a championship. Well, also, you look at the turnover that's happened at LSU when it comes to the offensive coordinator position. Uh, I mean, what? I think they've gone through you know, three offensive coordinators in the last four years or so, five years. I mean, mm-hmm. look, it's hard to bring stability to a program like that. Now they have Zinsminger down there, and, he, and he's running, you know, plays. We'll, we'll see how that rolls off. You know, they had Canada, and, and it just didn't – that was a that was a situation where you – know, you know, Matt Cannon thought he, he, you know, deserved more uh, of a leash than, than what LSU was giving him. And things just didn't work out, you know, after that, you know, third or fourth game of the season. Uh, but LSU, you know, they, they lack consistency. And they lack that all around the program, uh, especially on the offensive side of the football. So I, I'll be very interested to see how summer workouts go. You're not going to get a lot of information out of LSU and, you know, and the people covering the team. Uh, but the seven on sevens, the workout drills, the, you know, the, the players interacting with each other. Uh, I'll be very interested to see how that plays into fall camp uh, and, and how quickly Joe Burrow can align himself with the LSU Tigers uh, in that roster. You, know, you use a word there, stability, and I think maybe that is what the University of Tennessee is getting. I, I'm a big fan of Jeremy yeah. Pruitt. I think he is going to do a great job at Tennessee. And you look at their quarterback situation with Keller Chris coming in. Opposite situation with LSU and Burrow where Keller Chris has experience, started 13 games in two seasons there at Stanford through 19 touchdowns, almost 2,000 yards. Uh, and once again, it's another situation. You know the coach is going to say the right things. It's a co- competition uh keller chris i mean how do you see him fitting with this team at tennessee and how successful do you think he could be well i think with keller being brought in he he is he understands the pro style offense and and it gets kind of tricky because keller played you know over 19 games total when it comes to his career at stanford the starting you know the starting position was around you know the 13th spot and he got kind of hurt 
the job was taken from him. But you go back and look at film of him, he's got the arm. And, and talking to people around Tennessee, and uh, you, you know, the one thing that, that Tennessee is going to be able to rely on this year is that outside presence at the wide receiver position. So when you get a quarterback in there that these wide receivers are comfortable with and know that they can get the ball to, uh, I think that's going to be a plus for, for Keller Chris being able to, you know, to understand that pro style offense. Now, look, Jared Garantano is, is, a, is a good quarterback. The problem with Garantano is he hasn't had a lot of time to prove himself because he's only getting one to two seconds in the pocket just because of how bad Tennessee's offensive line has been uh, and how much they've had to shuffle in the last two to three years to fill those spots. So, you know, to me, with Keller Chris coming in, it gives Tennessee a viable option to be able to, to plug in if they need be. And it gives competition to Jared Garantano. You know, and let's not forget either that Tennessee is getting JT Shroud, uh, you know, a, a guy with a, a great arm. He's a gunslinger to me. Uh, looks like he can read defenses from the film that I've, that I've watched. Uh, it's a different level when you get to the SEC. We all know that. And, it could be a perfect time for him to, you know, to be able to get a red shirt next season and, and Tennessee be able to, to use Keller, Chris, Garantano, and have Will McBride back there as well, uh, who, who started a few games, you know, last year, you know, for the balls. I just, I just think going into this and the competition over the summer, and it's kind of the same thing with LSU, the seven-on-sevens, getting familiar with the wide receivers, getting the timing down. Uh, you know, Keller Chris is behind a little bit because he wasn't there for spring practice and, you know, he wasn't there for off-season conditioning. And, uh, you know, now he's in the program. Now he's at the university. I think Tennessee, Tyson Helton, the offensive coordinator, I think he was comfortable in bringing in a quarterback that, that he was familiar with since he was out on the West Coast at USC. And he was able to watch Keller Chris and, and see what he can do. And when you get the endorsement of somebody like David Shaw, uh, that goes a long way, uh, you know, towards people being able to recognize game. And I think that's what Keller Chris can bring. Uh, look, with, with Marquez Callaway, uh, with Jawan Jennings, with Palmer, with Brandon Johnson, uh, you know, if Alante Taylor plays wide receiver, Tennessee's going to have weapons when it comes to the outside of the receiver position. It's all about now getting that quarterback in there that's going to be able to get the ball to him because – you know, Tennessee is going to be lined up at the running back position. I, I think they're going to have a nice, a nice little trio, to be honest with you. Uh, and the offensive line, if Chance Hall can get healthy, get back to football shape, you know, and then possibly getting Trey Smith back, that's still a medical issue right now. He's got to be cleared for contact. It, it, it's very in-depth in what he's going through. But look, Tennessee quarterbacks need protection. If they can get this offensive line straight, then then look. I mean, they're looking at an offense where uh, they might be able to put up some points and kind of help out that defense. So Keller Chris being on campus, big for Tennessee. Now he's got to accustom himself to what goes on in Knoxville and especially what they're trying to do with that offense. You know, uh, after the NFL draft, uh you know, we always wondered because this was a big quarterback draft. Obviously, had five taken in the first round. The next year's draft, you know, Mel Kiper Jr. Rise draft put out that Drew Locke could be projected as the top quarterback taken. Uh, 
when I watch him play, I see a lot of good things out of Drew Locke. But when they Missouri plays a really good team, he seems to be not good. I, I mean, maybe did he benefit from the, the back end of their schedule last season? And now with Derek Dooley coming in, is going to be the offense coordinator. Do you see this offense looking different with Locke, or where does he need to improve in your mind? I think that uh, being able to read the defense a little bit better, being able to read the coverages, uh, don't get sloppy when he gets out of pocket. When he gets out of the pocket, that's when things seem to break down a little bit for him. Now, look, this, Drew Locke is a quarterback that flourishes uh, w- when he can get outside uh, and be able to make plays with his feet, uh, You know, quick thinking, down-the-field passes. Uh, but he had a tendency last year, uh, you know, when he kind of scrambled a little bit, uh, that's when he started getting into some bad situations. Now, look, not taking away anything that Drew Locke and Missouri did last year at uh, the end of their season. I mean, I thought they played really well. Uh, I thought that, that they should, uh, you know, in the situation where, where Drew Locke was, was, was coming into the season with a new offensive coordinator, and Derek Dooley, and we really don't, you know, you've got to go back and look at, you know, Louisiana Tech game film and, you know, take a little bit of Tennessee game film. And uh, there's a couple things that you have to look at when it comes to what Derek Dooley brings to the table at, at Missouri. I don't think, look, if Derek Dooley's smart, you don't try to come in and change too much when it comes to, to Drew Locke and his ability uh, to run that offense because he knows it. He knows his receivers, his core, uh, you know, in that offensive line. I, I, if you're smart, you come in and, you know, you tweak it a little bit and you get your tight ends involved. But, you know, don't don't come in and try to change things too much. And, it's not, look, it's not like Derek Dooley's coming in as, you know, Lincoln Riley when it comes to being an offensive coordinator. Uh, this is something that's going to be kind of new. Uh, in terms of the SEC. So, look, I think Drew Locke is a good quarterback. I think he can flourish this year. Uh, Missouri's schedule is is interesting to me. Uh, But overall, I think Drew Locke could be one of the the top quarterbacks coming out of the uh, the SEC next year, which is is very heavy loaded. I mean, I look at the SEC quarterback situation, and, and, and especially in the SEC East, and I have to think, you know, this might be, uh, you know, top four, top five, best group of quarterbacks out of the SEC East that I've seen in a while. Uh, definitely, because, you know, you add on Jake Fromm, Jake Bentley, Shermer at Vanderbilt uh, played well yeah. last season. Uh, Vanderbilt just defense just really slipped off from what they were the year before. So there is plenty of top-notch quarterbacks in SEC, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch these guys kind of go up against each other. Well, I, I look, I, I've said this about Kyle Shermer. I, I think the kid has a great arm, able to read defenses. Uh, he, he understands what they're trying to do at Vanderbilt. Uh, I think he is kind of, to me, I've been very high on Kyle Shermer. He has got the talent. He's kind of a sleeper quarterback to me this year. And, and not in the terms of people not knowing who he is, because I, I think he has very high potential for this season. It's just Vanderbilt's got to figure out, you know, how to replace Ralph Webb, who was so consistent in the backfield for them and coming out of the backfield, getting into the slot, uh, and, and being able to get that offensive line and keep it up to par. And like you said, the defense, is, which is another story, but that's Derek Mason's baby, uh, and, the, and they'll figure that thing out. I think, look, I look at 
Vanderbilt, and, and that's a team that stands out to me that could get six wins this year. But you go out and you look at the rest of the SEC East, and, and like you said, you've got Jake Fromm. You'll have Fields down there at Georgia, which is, you know, look, they're going to get him on the field. Somehow, some way, Fields is going to see playing time next year as the Georgia quarterback. I almost liken it to the way that Florida used Tebow his first year down there in Gainesville. Uh, they're going to get him on the field. Uh, you look at South Carolina with Jake Bentley. I love it. Uh, I think South Carolina could be a sleeper when it comes to the SEC East this year. Uh, they've got the talent. they got Debo Samuels back on the outside. Their running game should be up to par. Uh, so look out for Jake Bentley. So, look, I, I think, you know, there's four quarterbacks right there, you know, out of seven in the SEC East where it's going to make things very interesting uh, when it comes to, you know, the draft and when it also comes to the win-loss next year because you've still got teams like, you know, Kentucky, Florida, and Tennessee that are really still searching uh, for that true number one. So that that's going to make things fun uh, to watch next season and, the, you know, the upcoming fall camps. But, man, I'm telling you that when it comes to quarterbacks in the SEC, you know, you even add on Tua Hurts and, and Nick Fitzgerald, um out of the West. I mean, th- this is going to be a fun year. I'm excited. You brought two key names there, Trey, and you know we could not talk about quarterbacks in SEC without a two certain names, and that's the ones in Tuscaloosa. Tua versus Jalen. I feel yeah. like Tua's the guy. He has to be the guy. I mean, even after watching Alabama spring game, which I know Tua didn't participate, but Jalen Hurts is still the same quarterback. It looks like one read, roll out, throw it away, or run with it, or lie on his running ability. I mean, how long is this going to go on, and will Jalen Hurts be gone before the season even starts? Uh, that's going to be tough for me to to the NCAA. You know, passed a rule uh, recently this week. You know that that players are allowed to uh, you know play in a certain amount of games and then be able to redshirt uh, four games. Uh, is actually the rule, and you know if they play under four games or at four games, they can redshirt. Look, I and it goes on to what I'm saying about Jalen Hurts here. It's going to be interesting to me how this plays out because you know from talking to folks last year, if they needed to, you know, Tua could have played uh, at the beginning of last season if they if they really needed him to. If they got into a situation where you know Hurts just wasn't cutting it. You know, Tua could have came in there and he could have played last season. Um, you know, if he had got thrown in there in September, I'd be interested to see, you know, how things have played out for Alabama. But he had a full summer. He had a full, you know, spring. And then he had a full season to get things underneath his belt. And then he comes in that national title game uh, and this kind of lights out after the first turnover and leading back Bama to a, to a national championship. It, it, it's tough. You know, for Jalen Hurts, because I, I think he's a – first of all, he's a great kid. He's a great leader uh, for the team. But but you kind of nailed it on the head. Jalen Hurts kind of has just he's, – he's running through the, the motions here of, of, of getting outside the pocket, throwing the 10-yard out, throwing the post, uh, you know, can make plays with his feet. But I think we've seen everything uh, that we can out of Jalen Hurts. And, look, Nick Saban – is very smart. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he's not going to announce a starting quarterback until 
the probably the Saturday of the first game of the season. Uh, I don't think you know he would announce something like that in the fall. We saw a couple years ago where Alabama had a mass exodus of quarterbacks all in one season. And, you know, it was Bateman, it was Cornwell, it was, it was Barnett. Uh, you know, three quarterbacks leave in a span of one year. I don't think Bama can put themselves in that situation for let, to let that happen again. So Nick Saban's got to play this thing smart. Uh, I think we know who the starting quarterback is going to be when it comes to the first game of the season. But but if Jalen Hurts continues with a great attitude and, and being a leader, uh, you know, maybe he sticks around next year. We'll see how it plays out. It's going to, you know, my, my big thing is, and we all know this, you know, you're either you're either a couple bad passes away or you're an injury away uh, from one of the two being the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. And mm-hmm. I promise you, Nick Saban would would definitely love to have Jalen Hurts and Tua on that roster in case a situation like that unfolds. Oh, definitely, definitely. And you know, I almost forgot. I got to you know, if I talk about the Alabama quarterbacks, I got to talk about the other the quarterback in the state real quickly uh, before I let you go. Uh, Jarrett Stidham. It uh, seems like some Auburn fans got off his bandwagon the last two games, the SEC Championship game and the bowl game. For me, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He needs to clean up the fumbles. Now, during the spring, it was said, Gus Malzahn has said this, and Chip Lindsey, that they're going to give him more ownership of the offense, perhaps the ability to change the play at the line of scrimmage. I have my reservations about that because I just Gus Malzahn has a hard enough time letting a coordinator uh, run the offense, much less let a quarterback do it. Uh, just, you know, Jarrett Stidham, what's your thoughts on him going into his second year? I'm excited to see Stidham play at quarterback again for Auburn. Uh, I think it gives him a, him the ability, what Gus Malzahn is kind of reading into and letting on, is that, you know, go to the line with, with two or three plays you can check off if you, if you can read a defense. And, you know, he's always looking at his offensive coordinator, Gus Malzahn, on the sideline uh, for that last-second change. Uh, and I agree with you. You know, got to be able to hang on to the football. Uh, cannot have the turnovers. But Jared Stenham is a quarterback to me. Uh, you know, they can get the job done. It can get Auburn back uh, to Atlanta playing for an SEC championship. I, I think this Auburn team is good enough. And I think Stidham is good enough as a quarterback. I do. Uh, he showed flashes of that last year. I think with a full year under his belt uh, at Auburn, I think you're going to see a lot more when it comes to giving him free reign uh, at the university and at that quarterback position like you, like you talked about. Uh, you know, he, he's been there long enough now. He knows this offense. Uh, Gus Malzahn's not going anywhere. Uh, I think they kind of let it go this year, uh, just let him uh, be the quarterback that they know he can be. But it's also, you know, him learning the playbook, him learning uh, the defensive coverages, being able to pick it up. And, and I understood, you know, the beginning of last season, the first five or six games, you've got to hold off a little bit on that. And you've got to reel him back in and, and not get let, let him get to, you know, uh, happy, like I call it, uh, when it comes to changing up the plays at the line of scrimmage. But but now since he's had a whole year in the system, uh, I think it's time to let Jared Stenham loose uh, and see what he brings to the table. And I, I think he can lead Auburn uh, back to a 9-10 a to 10 win season and, and possibly playing for an SEC championship. Uh, there's plenty of Auburn fans hoping so. Hoping maybe he can go back to back against Alabama too, as well. Uh, it's going to be a fun season, like you said. Plenty of great quarterbacks in this league 
it should be a lot of fun at quarterback position. And uh, Trey, as always, a lot of fun talking to you about the SEC college football. Always glad when I get the chance to, to talk to you. And if the listeners uh, wanted to follow you online, where can they find you? Yeah, find me on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore SEC. Uh, I can read all of our uh, – going to put some more stuff up there uh, the next couple of days at thereadoptional.com and uh, follow us uh, – our podcast at Ultimate SEC Show. And I always appreciate coming on with you, brother. And uh, I look forward to talking with you again once we get closer to fall camp. Uh, definitely, definitely. I look forward to that as well. And uh, talk to you uh, again uh, later down the road. Thank you, buddy.